Well, we'll go ahead and get started if you can make your way to your seats if you haven't already. <laughs> Jay. <laughs> so I just have a, I have a real quick question to ask as I'm looking out on all of this beautiful crowd that's out here. Who made the bride mad? So I just want to, you know, does the bride not have a family or what? We're supposed to be the bride of Christ here. And so what's going on? I, I think you guys, you guys are all over here on the groom's side and here's the bride's side. If you, if, okay, so maybe they don't do that much in weddings anymore, but they used to do that a lot. And so they'd separate the bride and the groom. And as I look out, I'm looking over here, seeing all of you and then very few over here, but that's okay. We're going to continue on a series of sermons we've been doing called uh, The Summer of Wisdom. It's our book study of Proverbs. And I uh, just want to say that uh, this has been a wonderful series of sermons that we've been doing this summer, but we will be bringing them to a close in the next two weeks. And so um, we will, however, not get through the whole entire book of Proverbs. And so I uh, encourage you to continue reading through Proverbs, uh, even if it's just one a day. I know my uh, Bible reading plan uh, does take us through Proverbs, and it's usually like one or two Proverbs a day. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs, Proverbs, easy for me to say, chapter 10, please. Proverbs chapter 10 is another one of these examples where the wisdom of Solomon is sharing with his son. The question that he begins to ask in Proverbs chapter 10, and he has said this before, but he begins to bring out this idea of a righteous person versus someone who does evil. And as you look at this idea of what is righteous and what is evil, it's easy for us to get into this connection and into this way of saying, I'm a pretty good person. Right? Most people believe that we are, uh, most people believe that they are pretty good people. That they're not uh, bad people, that we don't do very much. In fact, those outside of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, when you ask them, are you going to heaven or hell? Most people will say, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. What does a good person mean? What does that mean? And I like to ask people that I'm having this conversation with, you know, I, I, uh, when I'm having this conversation, I just ask, what does it mean to be a good person? Well, I haven't murdered anyone. Well, there's a good step, right? I'm a good person because I haven't murdered anyone. Well, that's a good step. Now, I, I, I don't know about you, Miss Tanya, but every once in a while, I want to pull out that cane and start beating someone in the head, right? Uh, just because they're driving me nuts and I'm, I'm to that point. But No, but if you say, by your measurement of saying, I am a good person, I have not murdered anyone, I think most of us, or hopefully all of us, in this room should pass. The very next thing that you hear oftentimes is, I'm a good person because I haven't stolen anything. <laughs> well, that takes a few of us a little bit less off that top, right? Most everyone can say that we haven't murdered someone or killed someone, but not everyone can say we haven't stolen something. And what I mean by that is if we're truthful with ourselves, there's been a time in our life when we've probably taken something that we shouldn't have had. A pen, something from work, right? Uh, I think of, you know, my, my, uh, my work 
when I was in the days of my uh, days in my business world, they got me this little red stapler that looked just like the office. Have you ever seen the office show and they have that red stapler? Well, they got me one of those. And guess where, when I left that job, guess what went with me? That red stapler. I wanted it for my office at home. I can also say that I haven't necessarily been a good person if we measure up by having to steal something because I used, as a young man, used to work at the corner store. I'm indicting myself, but the statute of limitations is now over, so I'm okay with this. But uh, years ago, they used to have a bulk section of candy, and you know, as a worker there, I used to go by and I'd open up that and take a few pieces of candy and eat them while I'm working. That's technically stealing. The reason why I bring up both of these things is because this measurement of who is righteous and who is evil is a very interesting thing. As Christians, we look upon that and we say, our judgment of who is righteous and who is evil should be Jesus Christ and Jesus alone. Amen? The world doesn't look at it that way, though. The world looks at this and says, are we evil or are we good? And when, what is that meaning? What is that difference? Where is that line that gets crossed there? Where is it that I can say, I am a good person, or I am a healthy human being, and I'm a good citizen of the world around me? Solomon gives his sons some very good advice in Proverbs chapter 10. He goes on and he begins to use this word righteousness a lot. For example, Proverbs 10, verse 2. It's not up on the slides up behind me, but if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there for a moment. He says in Proverbs 10, verse 2, he says, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but the righteousness delivers from death. And then he goes on, verse 3, The Lord does not let, it, let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. If you read on through Proverbs chapter 10, you get down to verse 6. Blessing are the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Verse 7, the memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. You can look at this verse and you can continue to go down over and over and over again of all of these verses, and you can see that Solomon is beginning to say there is truly something that means sometimes we are righteous and sometimes we are evil. It's not only, by the way, in chapter 10, you could go through the whole entire book of Proverbs and you will see this, this uh, differences, this, this weight and balance, if you will, of what Solomon is doing here. He is trying to show that good people, righteous people, will do this. I'm going to describe and define righteous in a moment. But what he's doing is he's looking through this and he's saying there are good things and there are evil things. In the world around us, there is good and evil. You cannot get away from that today. There is good and evil everywhere we go. If you are blinded to that fact and think that everything is good, I'm sorry to tell you, but there is not everything good in this world. You must not be listening to any news, and you must not open up and read any news at all on the internet or turn on any news stations or anything like that if you think that this whole world is good, because let me, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, this world is not good at all. There's many things that are going on that are evil in this world. It's easy for us, however, to identify those things that are evil, that are outside of us. Have you ever noticed that it's really easy for us to look at someone and say, that person's an evil person because they did whatever they did? 
But how often and how hard is it for us to take a step back, reflect on ourselves and say, man, I'm an evil person. What I just said was not right. What I just did was not right. To take that step back and reflect on ourselves and to understand those things. And Solomon knows this, and so what does he do? He begins to give these proverbs, if you will, these wisdom these lines of wisdom to his son to say this is what causes, this is what is the understanding, this is what a righteous person does, this is what an evil person does. Just in Bible study this morning, we were talking about Romans chapter 3, and uh, it says, you know, all, all, right? We talked about that, Pastor Chess, all. That word all, guess what that means? All of you, Right? All of yins, if I want to be really Southern and say it that way, all of yins, including myself, are included in that all. And when he goes on, uh, Paul says, he goes on to say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. That's not just all of us in this room, by the way. It's everyone outside of this room and in this world around us. Everyone. There's none who is righteous and able to receive All right, let's try that again. There we go. So all of us are considered to be sinners. And by the way, uh, batteries and or Satan, you're not going to take this message away because I, I really want to share this message today, right? So I'm not going to let any technology... If you notice something here, I want to show you. I told Jay this was going to happen. Yep. Look at this. These are supposed to be my notes that I'm supposed to be preaching from, right? There is nothing there. Uh, but that's okay. I don't need them. I'll continue on. Uh, So what I want to tell you, though, is that Jesus came to this earth to make righteous people forgiven. He came to this earth to make unrighteous, evil people righteous. He came to this earth to say, listen, I'm going to take what you did, and I'm going to move on. Now, it's really, uh, as I was studying in Bible study, I didn't say anything to Pastor Chaz. I'm like, Pastor Chaz, you've got to stop preaching my message in Bible study, okay? Because every Sunday, when we sit in Bible study, he preaches my message. Because you know what? I wanted to use this word, and I asked everyone in Bible study, but we use this word called propitiation. Propitiation is this, is this word that is in every translation of Scripture. You have the King James you'll see the word propitiation. If you have the New King James, you'll have the word propitiation. If you go on and on and on, it doesn't matter the translation that you read, as long as you're reading one, there'll be the word propitiation in there. Propitiation is this wonderful thing because it is the justice of God, that God requires justice. God requires forgiveness of sin. And so therefore, it is not only God's requirement that we are paying for our penalty, but that he provided that penalty for us. He provided that sacrifice, if you will, through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Let's pause here and pray, and we'll just ask the Lord to bless us. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you will do in our lives. Father, today we look upon this and we say, are we good or are we not good? Lord, I think the answer is clear. We are not good people. It's not that we don't try. It's not that we don't attempt to be those types of people that you're called. But Lord, reading through Proverbs and reading through Scripture shows us that we have a need, and that need is great. You knew that we had this need, Father, and so you came and you provided for us your Son, Jesus Christ. And through the grace of what he offers for us, he takes us as evil people and makes us good. And so, Lord, today I'm asking, we're praying that as we review this Proverbs, as we go through what Solomon says and the wisdom that he gives to us, may we understand that we truly are not good people and that we need you. We need you to come to this earth and and we need your grace and your forgiveness that you gave to us through the life of Jesus Christ. Help us today, Father, to do your will, to follow you. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise. Father, I pray that my words would not be my own, but they would truly be your words, and that you could remove any hindrances and any things that block us from hearing from you today, Father, so that we can do your will. We thank you, Lord. We glorify you. We ask you all of these things in your precious and holy name. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Proverbs. Uh, actually, before we get there, now that I'm, I'm reading my notes here. <laughs> uh, before we get there, I want to talk about this idea. What does righteous mean? Righteous is the God-ordained right moral way. When I say, when Solomon says, are you righteous, what he's asking is not, are you doing good? He's not asking you, are you a good person? He's asking you, are you righteous? There's a huge difference between this idea of being good and being righteous. See, being good means that you can just do something that's good. A sinner can be good. Someone who does not know Christ can be good. They can do good things. That's why people outside of the church can do good things. I had many of our friends that were great people. They were very nice people, and they did good things. They loved me for who I was, and I loved them, and we had this great relationship. But were they righteous? No, they were not. Were they good? Yes, they were good. Christians and non-Christians alike can be good. The righteous, though, when Solomon uses this word righteous, what he's saying is it's the right and moral way. What he means by that is simply this, is that it's not just doing something good. It's not just a good thing. It's you're doing something the right way, but you're doing it in the way that God ordained it to be. Today, when I perform marriages... I talk about not just becoming man and wife, but I talk about a holy matrimony. Why? Because the world outside of us is making marriage anything other than a God-ordained holy matrimony. But we can still, as Christians, have this thing because, see, that word holy matrimony means that it is holy ordained by God. And so when we perform when we perform marriages, I make sure that I make a clear differences when I say that when I am... When I am uh, officiating, is the word not perform, (laughs) when I'm officiating weddings, I make sure that I use this word. Why? Not because I want to sound 
all holy and righteous. No, I use those words because there is a big difference. There's a difference between being holy and, and having a holy matrimony than just having a wedding. Can you see what's going on, please? Thank you. And so when we look at this word good and righteous, listen, I'm not asking you to go around and say, I am a righteous person, look how I am. I'm not asking Jay to stand up in the middle of the church or middle of the community and say, I'm a righteous person. How far is that going to get you? Not very far. People are going to start looking at you. But you have to understand that there is a huge difference when we talk about being good and righteous. And so understand that Solomon is sharing a difference here. Righteous is not just being good. Righteous means that you are doing what God has ordained you to do. That means every time he uses this word righteous, is what he's, righteous, what he's saying is that we should understand that this is a God-ordained thing. Make sure that we understand it as we move forward. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there for a moment. Proverbs chapter 19 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. Now before we go on to the next portion of this, I just really want you to understand. The fear of the Lord leads to life. What Solomon is again announcing to his son, and he did this in chapter 2, he did this in chapter 3, he did this in chapter 5, he does this in chapter 7, he begins to understand that the fear of the Lord is not a bad thing. And he begins to say the fear of the Lord leads to life. What does that mean? If you know the Lord, you're going to be led into the life that he has for you. And whoever has it, rests satisfied. If you have the fear of the Lord, if you understand Jesus, and you understand God, and you understand the scripture, and you're trying to learn the scripture, what happens is that the scripture is coming inside of you, and you can rest in that knowledge. When you live, I, listen, I, I, have, I have learned in my own life, that when I live outside of the boundaries of what Christ sets for me, I become very tired and burn out very quickly. It's overwhelming to live outside of the boundaries of Christ. I know all of you are like, oh, did he just say he lives outside of Christ? Oh my goodness, Pastor Chas, did you hear him say that? Yes, there are times when I get angry. There are times when I do things that I should not do. And when I find myself, there have been times when I walk away and I haven't, I don't read scripture the way that I should. And when that happens, what I find myself is very worked up. I find myself easily angered. I find myself easily burned out. And I, I often, when I get to that place in my life, I look around and say, how is my walk with Christ? Because according to Proverbs and according to all the other scripture that I read, when you have the fear of the Lord, when you're walking with the Lord, it's going to lead to life and rest. I talked about it last week. My burden is light, and my yoke is what? Easy. A righteous person seeks after Jesus. See, I want to I begin to understand, I want to begin to walk you through some of these things here for a moment, because one of the things I think we have to understand is, are we a good person? I hear that oftentimes. I hear, am I a good person? Am I doing what I need to do? Am I following God's will for my life? Well, I can easily answer that question, and that's what Proverbs uh, chapter 10 is really starting to speak to us, and what uh, Solomon is sharing with us is that we have to understand that we can be a 
Christian and not be a good person. Now, some of you may be asking me, what do you mean by that? Or you may be thinking in your head, just because you have salvation in Jesus Christ doesn't mean your actions always align up with that grace that Jesus gives to us. Sometimes that righteousness that we need isn't inside of us. The truth is we are all wicked. We live in a perverted place with sin all around us. None of our actions are good enough to pass the test to enter into eternity. As I said before, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And there's nothing that any of us can do to make us good enough. Now understand, again, I'm going to use that word good and righteous. What makes us righteous? What makes us holy? What makes us ordained? What gives us salvation in Jesus Christ? Not us. It's the grace of Jesus upon our lives. There's nothing in us good enough to get us to pass that test of eternity in heaven. It's only by the grace of God that we have able and we're able to make those steps. But if you're wondering, if you're here today and you're asking yourself, am I a good person? Am I a righteous person? Am I following God? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? See, I think this is a question we really need to ask ourselves. It's not as simple as saying, yes, I follow Jesus, and that means I'm a good person, and I'm righteous, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because that is not just the measurement. The measurement really is, is are we following Christ? Are we living up to what he puts as a standard here? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we walking in his light? See, a righteous person seeks Jesus in everything that they do and say. A good person should also seek Jesus in all that they do and say. But when we look at this, as Christians who fail often, we have to ask ourselves this very question. Am I righteous? Am I seeking Jesus? Because you know what? There are a lot of Christians that I know that are not seeking Jesus in their life. And that's a sad reality to the world we live in. There's a lot of people I know who will say, I have salvation in Jesus Christ and I am secured a place in heaven, and I am secured a place in eternity, but yet it doesn't go any further than that. Every day they live their lives not seeking after Jesus, not dealing with what's inside of them. Listen, I am tired of hearing people whining and complaining about the sin that they have in their life and all of these things. And what's even more tiring is hearing people who are Christians whining and complaining about the sin that's in their life. Why do you have it in your life? If you're a Christian, do something about it. Listen, if you're so... If you want to be a good person, if you want to be good according to Jesus Christ, if you want to be righteous, then it means that we seek after him in everything we do and we say. We don't live in this world that we're in. We don't worry about all of these things that are here. What our main concern is, how do I live for Jesus? How do I press after him? How do I walk in him? How do I make sure that his propitiation for my sins is worth it? How do I continue moving forward in all that he has for me? 
We should strive to be righteous in his eyes and in his ways. Under my own power, I can't be that way. But under him, we all can. We can all be the way that Jesus wants us to be. Proverbs 5, chapter 20, uh, Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22 and 23 says, The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Now before we go on to chapter, uh, verse 23, just understand this for a moment. The iniquities of the wicked. Now listen, I love the Old Testament language. Don't tell Pastor Chaz, but I even like reading the New King James Version and the King James Version sometimes, just because I like the way that it, that old English style, it sounds really cool. Jay, the iniquities, they preach as well, right? But the truth of the matter is, is do we understand what we're reading? The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. What it means is that our falling, our shortcomings, the things that we fail at, will snare us, will keep us there. And he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Now let me understand something. Let me make sure that you are hearing me correctly when I say this. Nowhere in this verse does it say that this is for or not for a Christian. Solomon has not once stood up and said, this is only for those that are not following Christ. You know what that means? What that means is that you and I, even though we're Christians, can see ourselves falling in the iniquities of our wickedness. We can have wickedness as human beings, as Christians who follow Jesus. We also have iniquities inside of us. We also have shortcomings. We also have these things that keep us short of doing what the Lord calls us to do. And what it says is that he's held fast in the cords of his sin. Meaning that when we sin and we fall to this wickedness, what happens is that cords that bind us so deeply to that sin wrap us up. Now let me just explain this for a moment in case you didn't understand this. But what happens is that once you start going down that path of sin, guess what happens? You continue going down that path of sin. I think it was Mercy Me sang a song called The Slow Fade. When you make that decision in your mind to do something that you shouldn't do, the next step is the, you, the next step is sin always wants to better the previous sin. So it's not just a slight little sin that says, oh, I'm going to tell a little white lie here and then I'm going to be okay. No, what happens is the next lie is even greater than the previous lie. And then the next lie is greater than that previous lie. And then before you know it, you're way down the path and you're already to the place where you can't get yourself out of it. It's true with anything. That first look, that first glance of something that you should not look at leads to another thing and leads to another thing and leads to another thing. And before we know it, the sins and the cords of our sin have held us fast. That's why we have to stand up and we have to break this. Verse 23 then goes on to say, He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. These are some huge things that Solomon is telling his son. But let's be honest for a moment. What he's saying is that when you start down this path of sin, when you start and allow yourself, even if you're a Christian or not a Christian, it doesn't matter, when you go down this path, it's going to entrap you, it's going to ensnare you, it's going to tide hold, it's going to take those cords, those bonds, wrap its arms around you and try to continue pulling you down. 
And as it does those things, what happens is that Solomon says he dies for the lack of discipline. Where are the Christians who have discipline today? Where are the Christians who will stand up and say, I have sinned and I have fallen short of the glory of God and my discipline, meaning I read the Bible every single day and I pray, that means my discipline is going to cause me to get back in front of God instead of going the reverse and going the opposite way. Where are those that will stand up and say, my discipline of following God is going to keep me from sinning even more? Let's be honest. We need to have this discipline this discipline of following Christ, so that when we make a mistake, when we go down a path that we shouldn't go, we begin to say, oh, wait, I got to stop and I got to turn around because that's not where I want to go. That's not what I want to see. Now, I want to pause for just a moment here and explain that sin and wickedness can also mean two different things. Just because you sin doesn't mean that you are a wicked person who has no hope and you've gone down that path. Wickedness is all of us. We're all wicked people. People who have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what I call and what I define as wicked. Sin is when we make a mistake and we've done something, we've disobeyed God, we have walked away from His grace, we've walked away from His We've made a mistake. What I'm more concerned today with is those Christians who have sinned once and then find themselves sinning again and have no remorse, have no conviction about what they just did. Conviction means that the Holy Spirit is still alive inside of you, that the Holy Spirit is still speaking to you. Is it good that we sin? No, it's never good that we sin. We should always try to achieve. I, I, Pastor Chaz said something that I really appreciated today. He said that the journey of a Christian is trying to become sinless all the days of their life. There's something along those lines. Every step that we take to get away from those sin is important. And so we make those steps. We try to continue going. We try to continue making right and honorable steps. We continue moving forward. But those are the steps that we're supposed to make. You don't become a Christian and then say, oh, I don't care what I do because I have the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. No, you try. You get off your lazy behind and you try. You, are, you, you become disciplined in the word of God. I didn't just all call you lazy, okay? Listen, maybe I did, but that's okay. Because I would call myself the same way. We continue to live by the word of God. We continue to press on. We continue to move into this. I think of David. You know, David had this wonderful, David was named the man after God's own heart, right? This amazing man who followed God. This was actually, uh, if you do the genealogy of Solomon, guess where it goes? (laughs) Anyone know who Solomon's father was? Who? David, right, yeah. Solomon's father was David. And so we look at this, the man after God's own heart, David, You know, we think of this, he bore a son named Solomon, who's considered one of the greatest kings, one of the wisest kings of the earth. And you know what he did? He sinned. (laughs) Stood on his rooftop, looked out over top of there, saw a fine-looking woman named Bathsheba, and said, hey, 
Why don't you come up to my place? At some point, he should have had that conviction of sin that said, first of all, if I'm looking out over top and I'm seeing a, a young lady bathing, I should turn around. But he didn't. Instead, what does he do? He falls to temptation. His destruction, the cords of that sin, wrap themselves around him and he began to go down a path that he should never have been on. I think of Moses. Moses, one of the greatest and wisest leaders that were ever in Old Testament, right? He's leading the people through the desert. He's doing all of these things. And God comes up in his latter days of his life. He's getting ready to enter into the promised land. And what does Moses do? He disobeys God by hitting a rock twice. Not once, but he hit it twice. And so what happened? He wasn't allowed to enter the, whole, whole, uh, the promised land. He had to watch from the outside. These are men of faith, men of, that we would consider our fathers uh, of, of faith. We read their stories in Scripture, and we are in awe of all of those things. And they sinned, and they fell short. Why does this matter? This matters because it doesn't matter if you're Moses. It doesn't matter if you're David. It doesn't matter if you're... Chaz or Jason or Jay or whoever else, if you're standing before the Lord, Satan is still going to attack you and the world around us is a sinful world and we are going to find ourselves falling off that ledge and we have to be careful that what we do next after we make a mistake. Because we don't want to become wicked. Wicked is that person who has abandoned all things. I believe that Solomon isn't talking about someone who allows that momentary slip-up, but a full-fledged lifestyle, someone who says, I'm going to choose to allow my sin to take over my life. But that discipline that we talked about, that discipline that Solomon is telling his son to grab a hold of and to walk in, that is what we need. We need to live in a lifestyle of discipline where we say, listen, my sin is not going to control me. I'm going to stand up against it, and I'm going to rail against that sin. I'm going to do everything I can not to fall to that temptation, not to fall to that sin, and live the way that Solomon, and the, more importantly, the way that God wants us and me to live. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 29 through 30 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. He goes on to say, verse 30, The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and good news refreshes the bones. Let's read that one more time. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. The light of the eyes rejoices the heart, and the good news refreshes the bones. Go back here for a moment. You ever prayed for God and you didn't feel like you were getting an answer? I'm not saying that God doesn't listen to us, but what I'm saying is that sometimes our sin causes us to be divided from God. Sometimes those very prayers that we pray, sometimes those very things that we pray, keep us, or when we pray those prayers and we feel like we're getting nowhere, sometimes it's because we have to take a hard look and say, where am I in terms of my relationship with God? I believe that God still hears our prayers. I believe that God still wants to move through our prayers. After all, God did move in the prayers of people who weren't even following him all the way throughout scripture. 
But what I think is important here that we have to understand is that when you are a wicked person, does God hear your prayers? When you're so far away from God, when you've gone down this path of choosing to be sinful, God hasn't gone anywhere. See, we have to understand that God doesn't go anywhere. God is always here. He's always with us. What happens is that when we sin, we begin to put a block in front of God. We're the ones that are taking that step away. We're choosing by the action of our sin to get and draw away from him. And so what this verse is telling us is that we have to make sure that we are not wicked, that we are dealing with the sins that we have in our lives, that we are walking towards him and not away from him. And so when we fall to these temptations of sin, what do we do? We stand up and we ask for forgiveness. We ask for his grace. We ask for his light to come upon us. So let's get back to this question. Am I a good person? Let me flat out say it in the best way I can tell you. No, you're not. <laughs> I know, great. I came to church to hear that I'm not a good person. Thanks, Pastor Chess. Or Pastor Chess, yeah. <laughs> I'm blaming you. <laughs> that was funny. That's a, that was a Freudian slip there. I didn't mean to say that. Oh. <laughs> no, am I a good person? No, you're not. Thank you, Pastor Jason, for that great news. There, I, I corrected. Okay, I'm sorry. No, we are not good people. Listen, by the grace of God, we can be good, but we're not good. None of us in this room are good. We have to understand that when we stand up and we ask this question, are we a good person? The answer is flat out no, we're not. Doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter the the spreadsheet or the resume that you have, you're not a good person. It's only in the eyes of Jesus are we made good. Only in the grace of what he did on the cross are we made good. Only through that can we stand up here and say, I think I can be a good person because what he does. Does that mean that we don't sin when we're a good person, when we accepted Jesus Christ? No, it doesn't. And in fact, what I want to tell you today is a good person seeks after Jesus. A good person stands before the Lord and says, forgive me of my sins and seeks his forgiveness. A good person will understand and not fall to the temptations of their sin. A good person will stop their downfall and turn around and go the right direction. That's what makes a good person. If you really want to measure your goodness, you have to start with who Jesus is because that is our measurement of good in everything in every way in this world. I want to be very clear here today on what I'm trying to explain to you in this place. No, we're not good, but Jesus makes us good. No, we're not good, but Jesus makes a way for us. No, we're not good, but we can be in him. Now, does that mean every Christian who lives their life is doing something good? No, it doesn't. What I'm, again, what I want to stress here today is that evil is all around us. And what are you doing to combat it? What are you doing to say, I'm not going to fall to this temptation. I'm not going to become wicked. I'm not going to go down this path. 
I'm not going to go down the path of what Solomon says. The wise heart in verse 8, uh, chapter 10, verse 8, the wise heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. I mean, I could go on and read and continue to read Proverbs, and it will tell you exactly how you, how you walk away from your sin. How do you get away from those things? Do what Solomon tells you to do. Follow Jesus. Walk in that way. Make a commitment here today, right here and right now, to say that I'm going to do what Jesus calls me to good because it's only through Jesus that I'm good. Do you understand what I'm saying here? It doesn't matter your actions if your actions are outside of Christ. The actions inside of Christ is what matters. He is what makes us good. He is what makes us righteous. He and his way, his ordained way, is what makes us do what we can do. But at the end of the day, what matters most is for us that are Christians today is what are you doing to fight that sin? What are you doing to combat that temptation that sometimes takes over you? Are you willing to do everything that you have to do, everything that you must do to overcome that? Are you willing to throw the internet out of your house? Are you willing to destroy the TV? Are you willing to... Walk away from those sins and those people that cause you to sin. Are you willing to put that bottle down? Are you willing to say, those temptations, those things are drawing me away from God and not towards Him? Are you willing to stop crying and complaining about the way that life is and instead get up and start to fight? Why are Christians some of the... Listen, I know Jesus calls us to be meek, right? He does. He calls us to be meek. Meek does not mean powerless. In fact, if we would be honest, where are those Christians that are going to stand up and fight against a sin in their life? Where are those Christians that are going to stand up and fight against a sin in other people's lives? Where are the Christians that are going to stand up and say, not only do I want to be good, but I want to be righteous, and so anything that I see, I'm going to call out as sin, and I'm going to fight against it. How do I fight against it? It's not flesh and blood. It's spiritual. We fight it by getting to our knees. We fight it by seeking after him. We fight it by being disciplined in the word and being disciplined in our prayer life by being disciplined in following him. Those are what causes us. That's what I would call good. Now, you can judge whether you're good or not in your own mind. That's up to you. I'm not going to sit here and say, Jay, you're a bad person. (laughs) Jay's not a bad person. But I wouldn't stand up here and tell someone that because guess what? I don't know what he's battling. He doesn't know what I'm battling unless I tell him unless he tells me. But together, in this fight, we must come against that because we are called to be followers of Christ. Are we good? No, but the grace of God sure does make us good when we're in that grace. Will you stand with me? Will the worship team come forward, please? I find myself, when I was reading through Proverbs 10 this week, a little convicted. (laughs) I have to be honest. Just reading through this, the wise lay up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool brings ruin near. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and the poverty of the poor is their ruin. 
The wage of the righteous leads to life, the gain of the wicked to sin. Whoever heeds instruction to the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. The one who conceals hatred has lying lips, and whoever utters slander is full. When the words of many transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Let me read that one more time, that last one. When words are many, transgression is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Wow. Let that settle in there for a moment, right? The next time you go to talk and you go to say something, (laughs) remember, (laughs) when the words are many, transgression is not lacking. I found myself convicted because what I wanted to say is I often look upon myself and say, I'm a pretty good person, right? I'm, I'm no different than anyone else. No one likes to be called wicked. No one likes to be called evil. No one wants to look at their life and say, I'm not good. Truth of the matter is, is that we have Satan who tells us every single day how bad we are. As a pastor and as And more importantly, as a follower of God, what I've been doing is when Satan reminds me that I'm not good, you know what I say? Yeah, you're right. I'm not. Say whatever you want. Tell me that I'm not good. Tell me I'm a sinner. Guess what? I'm a sinner. Tell me that (laughs) that I speak too many words and I say things that I shouldn't say. Guess what? I do. You're right. And then I remind him who gives me grace. And I say to him, I'm not good enough on my own, but I am good enough in Jesus Christ. My lips aren't good, but in Jesus they're made perfect. Reminding myself and reminding Satan exactly who leads my life is the most important thing that as a pastor I can tell you to do today. The second most important thing I can tell you to do today is that when you start going down a path, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, and you see yourself going down the wicked path, the wicked way, stop and do everything you can to turn away from that. And understand that Jesus is calling you to righteousness. He calls you to a life made perfect through him. But it takes our discipline, it takes our action, it takes our energy and effort to say, I'm not going to go down that path. When we begin to murmur, when we begin to complain when we begin to woe is me stop it look at him and say jesus i am made perfect in you i may not feel perfect i may not be in a perfect place right now but i know that if i follow you if my discipline stays with you i can be made perfect in everything i do and say it is only through the grace of jesus christ that you and i can be made perfect So this idea, am I a good person? No, you're not. And it's okay. Because when we realize we're not, we realize that we need a Savior. And He is the only one that makes us perfect. He is the only perfect person that ever walked this earth. And only through Him can we be made perfect. Will you pray with me, please? Father, we thank You for this day. We glorify You, we honor You, and we praise You in all of these things. Lord, we are not good people. We know that we need your grace. We know that we need your forgiveness. And so we stand here today, Father, asking you, lead us 
Empower us, guide us. Lord, I pray today that we can make war against our sin. That we can stand up and say, I'm not going to fall to temptation of sin. I'm not going to fall to temptations of things that cause me to fall away from you. Instead, I'm going to be disciplined. Instead, I'm going to stand firm and I'm going to look those things in the eye and say, get out of my life because I'm led by Jesus Christ. And you are the one who's going to make me perfect. Father, in a room this size, certainly there may be some here that has never given their life to Christ before, have never accepted you. And so therefore they are living a life alone without your grace. If there's anyone here in this room or watching at home online, may today be that day of salvation where you stand up and you say, I don't want to do this. I'm not good. I need Jesus Christ. I need the grace of his forgiveness to fall on my life so that I can be the person, the perfect person he's called me to be. It's a journey, but may today be that journey that you begin with. And it's as easy as saying what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart, we believe and we say that I am a sinner and I have fallen short and you are my Savior. It's as easy as saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and help me to become who you have called me to be. May those be the words on your mouth today. If you've never done that before, may today be that day. For those that are here today with our eyes closed as we begin to think about these things, as we we have thought about these things through this whole message, how can I be made good? How can I be a good person when I do evil things? May we make a commitment today to fight against those things. To fight against the sin that's in our life. And to reach for the forgiveness and grace of Jesus. Lord, I pray today that we will have a body of believers that can stand up against sin, can look it square in the eyes and tell it where to go. Because Jesus, you are the Lord of our lives. And you give us that power and that grace to do that. May we fight today with all that's in us and the power that you give us to overcome the sins of our life. We glorify you, we honor you, and we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's worship together. Oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was bought with The precious blood of Jesus Christ Are you hurting? Broken overwhelmed by the weight of the sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh,
with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No truer words have ever been spoken. He gives us the ability and the power to overcome all the things that are thrown at us in this world today. Our journey is a journey of taking every step we can to get closer to that cross and closer like Him. May today be a stepping stone in your journey that you realize that I need to overcome the sin of my life and that I will battle everything that's inside of me with every ounce of who I am I will battle to become more like him see the truth of the matter is, is it doesn't matter whether we're good people or not because on here on this earth it means nothing What matters is when we die and we enter into the gates of heaven and Jesus looks down at us and says, my son, my daughter, you are forgiven. Welcome home. Come on in. Because you accepted me on that day, on that whatever day it was on that earth, because you looked towards me and grabbed that grace, that hope, and you took it inside of your heart and you did everything you could to walk that path, that's what really matters. That's the only measurement of good or bad or good or evil that really matters is what Jesus says about you and I. May you leave here today with the knowledge, the strength, the boldness inside of you to stand up to the sin that's all around us and say, I'm going to do everything I can to fight it and to become like Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all that you've done. Send us forth from this place to be your hands and feet. To share the gospel and the good news. That you forgave us. That you forgive us. And that you will forgive us. Help us to be disciplined. Help us to walk in your light. To be more like you. In every way. Every action. Every word. 
We'll be sure to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise because you deserve that and so much more. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we ask these things. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you again next week. Just real quick, we will be having a meeting immediately following here. You don't have to tear down the chairs, uh, so keep the chairs up. Uh, We'll be leaving them up, but just give us a couple minutes, and we'll have